the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 236 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast. I am your host, Dan Tom. Analysts is where you can find it at MMAJunkie.com as well as MMA Junkie Radio. But... On this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully, it's before the fight. It's late Thursday night as I'm recording this. Um, it's going to be another uh, fast version because, as you can hear, I'm, I'm not doing too well. I feel quite miserable. I'll save you the details. Um, and just uh, just take this one apology for, 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 for how I sound and... Uh, not being as early as I planned, I was actually ready to do the podcast yesterday, but uh, was going to try to do a co-host today. Again, thank you guys. This will be real quick, pushing through. Don't worry. This won't take long. Just a couple notes, but thank you guys for participating in that little survey thing that I put out there. Uh, constructive, nice, uh, mean, everything in between. It's appreciated. Um, and yeah, uh, amongst it was more of a co-host. President was going to have a co-host today, but that person bailed. Uh, I got sick. Uh, almost didn't do the podcast, not because of those things, because my computer crashed. I'll save that for another thing. And yeah, and my breakdowns I think are a bit late this week, but it's weird. I just, I'll just, I was tied off at this. There's a bunch of stuff that was out of my control, but it's just ironic when I'm making it a point to to, to promise my audience to be better. I've got a whole week off, which is like a, a, a not a long time, but a long time. For our MMA schedule and literally everything. that, And I've been breaking down this card since last fucking week to make sure that I got it out early. And literally everything beyond my control just jumps out at me. So whatever. Nobody cares. Uh, That's one of the things that I learned. Not that nobody cares, but like I I don't want to waste any time off the top of the head or off the top of the show. Look at me. I'm fucking rushing through now because of this. And uh and yeah, I just I just feel like crap, and uh, and I don't blame you guys. I'm, I'm not I'm not upset about it because you know the worst part about criticism is uh is uh, when you agree with it. <laughs> that's where not worse, but it's good. I should say the part that hurts the most is when you're like, you know what? I actually agree. I hate seeing my face too. I hate the sound of my voice. I don't uh, like that I talk about these things and uh, that I should be talking about it with like friends and like a real social life, not with a podcast. And believe me, again. I'm, I'm I'm not disagreeing with these things, so uh, just letting you know that I heard it. We'll maybe discuss more uh, positives as I as I look to bring new uh, things to the to the show, um, starting with YouTube and other things and, and and SoundCloud and all that good stuff. So thank you guys though for, for chiming in though. I really mean that. I really do appreciate it. Uh, even again, even the not so nice stuff. Um, I, I appreciate that most of all because that's at least I know you're being honest, and uh, I felt like I, I took it to. Very constructively, and 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 um, Casey didn't get my note though. Thank you guys. I really, I really, really do appreciate that, and I appreciate you being here. So, I'm not going to abuse that, even though it's a free service. Uh, I still consider this breakdown shows a service, 
I know people come for the opinion, so I'm going to jump to that, which means I'm going to skip stuff like the McGregor Khabibs, which you know I don't mind doing, but also means I get to skip stuff like EPO or BJ Penn, which is depressing. I'm just bringing that up just so you guys don't think I'm some fucking Holocaust denier. Um, cause you all know I'm a noted, uh, obviously a BJ Penn fan, but you know, like, um, shout out to Wesley Coven at true UK fan said most of your favorite fighters either did steroids or done bad stuff outside of the ring. Now, I don't know the details. I don't know the facts. Uh, just because I'm saying that doesn't make me a fucking enabler by the way, but that's just the truth. That being said, I did want to bring that up just so, you know, uh, people know that I'm again, I'm not a, a denier when it comes to these things. I can call the sky blue when I see it. It's a bummer. So what do you want me to say? Uh, I'm going to skip all those things. Shout out to Stephen Frontworth, and uh, by the way, did his show. And shout out to Aaron Brownsetter, who did my top five show last week. Thank you guys if you dug that top five episode, by the way, and as well as the top five video. Again, apologies having a look at my ugly mug. My God, I fucking every time I see myself on camera, by the way, I think of that damn Friends episode, at least lately. Not always. Again, I, I was in shape for a, a good part of my adult life, folks, believe it or not. I didn't wear glasses and was in shape. It just It's funny. Most I didn't start doing media until I had to wear the glasses and the weight were both uh, from concussion. Anyway, I'm fucking changing that. The point is I can laugh at myself. And You know what I think of every time I see myself on camera is that episode from Friends where they're looking at the reunion video. And they're like, oh, my God, someone ate Monica. <laughs> Monica's like, the camera has 10 pounds. Chandler was like, how many cameras were on you? That's That's Dan Tom. So, yeah. Believe me, folks, I know. Working on it. Anyways, those are the notes. That was fast, right? Look at that. Six minutes, and we're already going to be jumping up. Poyavers Holloway, too. I'm going to make this fast, folks. Uh, uh, you know, I feel like I sound. We'll leave it at that. The apologies are done. We're moving on. Holloway minus 210. Poyer plus 175. Um, yeah, this was fun to go back and look at all their fights from the very beginning. Uh, don't do that often, but again, I had started this like back last week, guys, and this was two fighters I feel are worth it. I don't really care about the rematch. I don't care about the stakes. I love the division, but it's a fucking mess because most people who are atop it don't fight and have ridiculous people idolizing both sides, and it's just a stupid war that I could give two shits about. I care about the wars that people are sacrificing for our entertainment because they still don't get enough, in my opinion, and... Uh, those are guys like Dustin Poirier, Max Holloway getting a lot of love now, a lot, a lot of credit. So I shouldn't there. Dustin Poirier, though, man, I feel like uh, he is the, the better story here. He's the more alluring story. I would actually feel better if he won. I believe it or not, thought could this be the time where I finally pick against Max Holloway? As you guys know, I've, I've not picked against him yet since so my first breakdown I've done officially, at least. MakesMartialAnalyst.com back at UFC Saskatoon will be the earliest one you could find on there. Don't go back and look at it. I don't recommend it. It's not that pretty. Um, but, yeah, uh, no, the answer is no. I didn't end up picking against Max Holloway, as you know. At least that breakdown should be out by this time. The show is that, uh, yeah, I picked him by fourth-round TKO. Of course, Dustin Poirier going to be dangerous early. He's got that power. He stopped. And within his first five fights in his return to 155, he gave three men their first stoppage victories of their career. So, I mean, those are real trends. Uh, I'm curious to see if Max Holloway follows suit, but also curious to see how he takes the power. Um, you have to respect it, but at the same time, I could see how, you know, people be of the opinion that I think many has overblown this uh, Max Holloway getting hurt. Uh, I think, you know, I love the commentators, but you got to turn them down, especially for that fight in particular with Ortega. Uh, I think Max Holloway took those shots fairly well. He wasn't wobbly. He wasn't on Quia Street and uh, didn't have Bambi legs. Um, 
So I don't know how much to put into it. He's always had a ridiculous Hawaiian chin, and I gotta imagine not cutting 10 pounds will only help it. So yeah, uh, Dustin Poirier's chin certainly improved uh, moving up, but his tactics have also improved. He's fought smart. He's not that brawler he once was. He uh, can stay within himself. He can counter. He can do that fade back left hand, and not only does he shift stances like Max Holloway does it more in a different, more boxing-centric way, he kind of levers off the same side with his punches, as in levering as in punching off the same hand uh, twice in a row uh, as he shifts stance, which is really... It's not just that everyone makes a big deal. Oh, look, he shifts there and he finishes there. Like, yeah, but how does he do it? And very few people do it off of those levering shots, at least in MMA like that. And that's one thing that sets away Poirier shifting from Holloway's. Um, again, it's, I know stance shifting's like people have just discovered it, like it's some new thing. Like, ever since that damn, I blame Cruz and Dillashaw fight. What were they calling it? Like, Nouveau? New, I forget. All I know is I'm glad that term didn't stick because it was a piss poor term to describe footwork. And now we just kind of write it off. Oh, he's a shifter. He's a stance shifter. And it's true. But now I feel like we just kind of write it off that. And it's funny. Like, it's just, again, I'm not trying to be Mr. Fucking High Horse, but this is something that, this is one of the few things that I spotted as a perceived weakness coming from traditional martial arts and MMA. And it's held true. And people finally started catching on to this. And that is shifting, and that is levering. Where, uh, you know, whether I was doing, cause when I got out of it, I, was, I went to Muay Thai and then MMA. And both those things I found, whether it was like the kickboxing and MMA or just the Muay Thai, it was like a lot of like, okay, if I throw a left hook, I throw a power right. Or if a power, or a right hook, then it's got to be a power left. You know, uh, left punch, right punch, left kick, left punch, right punch, left kick. Right? It's all very written. And it's boring for one as the person doing it, and it's predictable, I would argue, as the person on the other side of it. Um, so, you know, seeing people lever off the same side, it's beautiful. For Dustin Poirier, it's a real technical way, like, again, with his punches, but then you have the more traditional, like a Stephen Thompson, where the Dan Stigian, where he throws the right hand, and he loops the kick over and around the shoulder, to a more Muay Thai-centric way, even. as even Again, I'm not dissing Muay Thai, because even Muay Thai people, like a Donald Cerrone, for example knows the importance of this when you look at start, him start racking up his head kick knockouts. What was he doing? Um, he, he he wasn't just throwing a punch to get them to extend their hands. He was throwing a punch off the same side. He'll throw that you know left punch, left high kick, or right punch, right high kick um, off the same side. And he's a Muay Thai guy. It's because he knows it's killing two birds with one stone. Not only are you getting them to extend their hands by putting the punch out there, but by doing it off the same size, by, by breaking that rule of predictability, he is essentially transporting two weapons with one vehicle because the same motion your shoulder gives way for a, a left cross is not the exact same motion of a left high kick because it's more of a shoulder going forward for punches, whereas shoulders are going to dip left to right. When a kick is coming, that's why I, I personally will look more at a guy's shoulders when I'm fighting or sparring. Uh, but if you're throwing the left cross and left kick off the same side, it disguises it so well. Um, and Holloway does that too. Holloway does just a bunch of different shifts though. I mean, my favorite is when he's almost doing it kind of laterally. Like you go back in the Cub Swanson fight where he's moving one direction laterally. Then he changes direction almost like a dart. And he'll throw like a straight shot out there at the same time. It was super impressive. And then he would end up in the southpaw stance where he could just counter from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, Holloway looked a little more flat-footed, and it was kind of questionable in that first Jose Aldo fight, but then you look at it more, it's like he's really just cooking him. He's cooking him with that pressure, and that was something for Aldo in particular. I would not be surprised to see him a little more fleet of foot because, again, Dustin is going to be the pressure. Dustin, although I believe Holloway has a more superior output and a superior gas tank to support that output, uh, if we're putting it all, uh, you know, side by side, that doesn't mean that Dustin Hollow, uh, Dustin Poirier has bad output or bad pace. He doesn't at all. He's got a, a very intense one himself, um, and a hard to deter one. So I'll be curious to see if he does that uh, for fear of the counter, or if he stays back. But I suspect Poirier to be pressuring early, trying to get Max Holloway early because I think he knows Max Holloway needs time and he's going to need to come at this early. Um, so look for for Poirier early, especially if they're in their stances of southpaw to orthodox. I think their lead hand's going to have play. Mostly right hands seem to hurt Matt, hit Max, and mostly left hands seem to hit Dustin. Um, but that also is because Dustin. Well, it was. I don't. It, it makes sense. I mean, that, that's the side that's facing forward, right? If you're orthodox, your left side's kind of facing forward. If you turn, it's going to be probably you're probably going to turn more to your right than your left because your body's already hitched that way. So that's the so that's why those sides are going to take more damage. That's also why those sides are probably going to have more of a cauliflower ear, um, because you get cauliflower ear mainly from steering. Some people get it, some people don't. I've been lucky; I never really got it, even when I was heavily grappling. Uh, but you especially get it from wrestlers, and rider wrestlers get it more than jujitsu guys because there's a, a lot more steering of the head. Now the jujitsu guys don't, and the gi makes for a lot of friction, which is why you see. Those guys with cauliflower ears as well, but a lot of the guys who steer with their head, and you're naturally going to steer with the side that you're leading with. So whether it's ears or whether it's face, grappling or striking, um, if you, it's, a little, uh, uh, it's a little bit of forensics you guys can play at home when you're, when you're looking at a fighter and what's, what side they take damage from the most. It's, they're, they're usually pretty congruent. It's whatever side is forward. So if it's their left foot forward, it's their left side. If it's their left foot forward, it's their left ear, vice versa. Sorry, I don't know why I'm getting off with that. But yeah, uh, so watch their lead hands for this fight. Um, and especially Holloway's left. I think he's going to go body, though. Uh, Poirier, that's where he's traditionally been. I mean, he does more slips and rolls, but one thing that's still there are his legs and his body. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Max attack either of those, especially the body, you know, one of the better body punchers. Taking Max Holloway by fourth round TKO, um, unless unless Poirier can hurt him, stop him early, or take him down with consistency. I just don't see that either. And one of the things people miss, uh, actually, you know, you know, I, I start to see see, see more people uh, more people aware of it because you have more guys doing it, not just Holloway. Robert Whitaker's another guy I point to that does it really well. But it's the grip awareness, folks. It's something that I've been preaching. Hell, if you know me and you've been watching fights with me, I've been screaming at the TV since 2012 because I've been lucky enough to have a coach that instilled that upon me to where it just makes me pull my fucking hair out that I don't see pros practicing the importance of hand fighting. It is the key to everything. I'm starting to see uh, more people preach it, people with bigger platforms than me, which is great. But just remember, y'all, I've been saying it from the beginning and I've been saying it about guys like Holloway who have been calling right and accurately since the beginning. So don't forget your boy here. All right, uh, next fight, Israel Adesanya, minus 170. Calvin Gastelum, plus 150. All right, uh, this is a weird one. 
Uh, weird because, again, I got to preach. I, you can't seem to remind people. Like, apparently, if you pick against someone, it means you don't like them. Not not true. Uh, I like Adesanya. I think he's got a higher ceiling. I think he's a future champ. I was just hoping they didn't make this matchup because Gastelum could quietly be like a, a bad styles match for him. And that might sound crazy. And it might look less crazy Saturday night. And it may look crazy Saturday night if Adesanya just comes out and schools him. I could totally see Adesanya, who I believe deserves to be the favorite, by the way, picking Gaslam apart, making a miss. But if he can't get him out there, that's a long five rounds to be in there with a guy like Gaslam, who really seldom rock, really seldom tired, really seldom ever looked deterred. You could hate on Gaslam. You could pick all his worst performances. But those three things are pretty irrefutable for the 90 percentile. In other words, for the most part. Um, and, you know, maybe my favorite underdog trope, my favorite underdog archetype, durable southpaws who can wrestle. They are fucking nightmares. And I think that could be a possible nightmare for Adesanya. Um, Adesanya's done really good with southpaws. He's faced mainly southpaws in the UFC. In fact, he faced the best southpaw ever, right? Uh, at least at one point of time. Not when he faced him, which was Anderson Silva. And, uh, again, speaking of, uh, you know, all the hot guys to, to to analyze and have takes on who who was who was right about that fight? Who was one of the few guys calling that fight to go to decision? Yeah, it was me. I wasn't surprised. Uh, sorry, I'm not trying to be a douche, guys. I'm just in a, I'm not feeling well, and I don't give myself credit enough uh, when I am right. And since the internet only tells you when you're wrong and not when you're right, sometimes you got to remind people, especially when you know. By the way, it's not about picks. Again, picks don't matter, like I just said. I'm picking against Adesanya, but I like him more and he has the higher ceiling. How does that make sense? I don't know. Uh, it actually does. I'm just mocking people who it doesn't make sense to because they're red team, blue team uh, retards who just probably just chug soda all day. Uh, whatever. Uh, but anyways, um, sorry, I'm just, I'm just being a dick here, guys. But uh, but where the fuck was I? But uh, no, no, I do like uh, you know, Adesanya. Picks don't matter. Oh yeah, that's what I was gonna say. What does what I do like though is when I can go back and read a breakdown, and it reads like I wrote it after I watched the fight. And uh, I'm not trying to sound all indignant over here and shit and like a dick, but like whether it was like Holloway Aldo one or Adesanya Silva, like these things I did do. And uh, yeah, I forget to give myself credit at the time. And uh, since so many. You know, people from professionals to randoms on Twitter. It's the I told you so kind of uh, fucking world we live in. Uh, I got to remember to, you know, shout myself out every once in a while. Anyways, but uh, there is one thing, though, that I did notice from that fight. Um, and again, I can't read people's analysis articles going in. Even podcasts I like, I, I can't listen to. Or if I do, um, I won't be able to listen to it until after I record this thing kind of a thing. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know who's on who or who's saying what. So I don't want to be that guy saying, no one else is talking about this. Nobody else is talking. No, I don't know that for a fact, guys. But something that I know slipped my mind until a recent rewatch of this fight and that I haven't seen brought up yet. And it seems so specific. And I'm really curious. And I'm not saying this is like, oh, I... I know, um, and I just got done talking about patting myself on the back. This actually is not what I'm doing. I'm I'm really curious. If you guys heard someone else on another podcast talking about it, let me know. Like, did anybody else spot this out? Because Anderson Silva was blitzing, if you guys noticed, at specific times in that fight. It was very specific times. And it was 
almost exclusively, like literally to the 95 percentile, only when Israel Adesanya went southpaw. And now you hear commentators talk about that. Your defense is not the same from southpaw to attack when someone goes southpaw. That's very true. Um, when you attack when someone goes southpaw, or just when they switch stance, like uh, you look at Safadine McDonald. Every time Safadine switches stance, McDonald hits him with a jab. Uh, you can do a lot of damage. But they say that about southpaws because so many people love to go southpaw. And for a while, again, it's, it's evolving. The game is evolving. The stance is shifting, all that. But for a while, people would go southpaw. They'd make it super obvious. And then they would, like, set up a lever kick or a head kick. It was the same shit every time, right? And uh, the thing is, like, oh, instead of looking at someone there, attack them. Attack them. Uh, not enough people do that. To the point where some smart corners, were go when they know their fighter's tired, go when you're tired, switch southpaw. Because they know that most... You know, I don't want to say most, most fighters are, are gullible enough in the fight to where you switch left. You're like, oh, what's he doing? Is he doing some fly shit? Like, no, he really, you know, most people that switch to southpaw really can't fight from there, which is why guys like Max Holloway or Adesanya are so damn special. Uh, so that's why smart coaches knowing this will be like, dude, you need some time to switch southpaw. It'll give you that couple beats. When really, if you're really smart, the other side's smart. They should know they should be attacking because your defense isn't going to be as good. Most people's defense aren't as good as their offense, especially in MMA, right? That's, for one, real given. Now, imagine someone's defense from the stance that they're not used to inherently fighting from. I mean, it's really common sense. Um, with a guy like Adesanya, he's so smooth, though. It's so hard to tell. I mean, only he truly knows at the end of the day, guys at that level. Uh, it's so hard for layman's or people like myself, which ain't much different from a layman, I'll tell you that much, folks, uh, it's really hard for us to tell, uh, you know, because not only is he so smooth, but he's got such effect, not good, it doesn't just look good, he's got such, such effective offense from his southpaw stance, and not just offense, it's offense coming forward or off the counter, and countering, he counters so well from southpaw that if you notice he'll finish his, and slip off to the southpaw because his counters are so sharp from there, and counters in itself are a form of defense, right? So therefore, those layers, outer layers, offensive layers, are so strong, we don't really have to see his defense too often. Well, a guy like Anderson Silva, who blitzed him when he was southpaw exclusively, kind of showed that. Even Israel Desai admitted himself, he admitted he was stunned by those jabs. It was not once, but twice, I believe, in the second round. Both those times, what stance was Izzy standing in, guys? Southpaw stance. Now, maybe it's not too uncommon because when you think about it, who was in his corner? Alex Pereira. Alex Pereira beat Israel Adesanya twice in kickboxing. Alex Pereira not only beat him twice, but he knocked him out the second time. And now Alex Pereira knocked him out from the orthodox stance because he's an orthodox fighter, so you can kind of compartmentalize that part, as you will, and scrap that as far as the direct comparison goes. But... When he knocked him out, can you guess what stance Israel Adesanya was in? That's right. It was a southpaw stance. He knocked him out when he was in a southpaw stance with a left hand, a left hook over that shoulder. And that's something, if you listen to the top five hook KOs that me and Connor Rebush talked about, we talked about on there, uh, kind of hashing out, you know, it was a great conversation. I've got to get Connor back on. It was one of my favorite analysts. Awesome dude. <coughs> but we were hashing out... 
what, what, uh, why we think that is. Now, Connor actually went after that and wrote an article that I suggest you check out at Bloody Elbow. It was really well done. He added some sweet James Tony gifts in there um, but uh, for his take. But my take, essentially, which uh, I, I stated on the podcast, was it's just I think there's just a sense of comfortability that that is the angle that we pivot off of. That's what we step out to. We're so used to controlling that outside foot. Um, that area of the exchange, I feel like a lot of southpaws feel, is inherently theirs. So when you get the jump on the southpaw and you expose that, boy, is it devastating. Those knockouts are extra devastating. And the one we were specifically talking about was Sam Stout versus Eve Edwards. Now, since then, we went and saw, since then, Masvidal versus, uh, Masvidal versus uh, Darren Till happened. And, of course, uh, I, immediately, I immediately shouted Connor when that happened. Like, there it is. There, holy shit. We were just talking about that. And uh, if you go look at that knockout, the reason why I said that knockout is because it's the way uh, Moxlaws of the southpaw stands, Alex Pereira, left hook from orthodox. But just the way they fall, you know, the t- tall southpaw, they don't, when they don't see that shot coming over their shoulder, it was very, very similar and very spookily similar. Uh, and it tends to have that effect. Now, I don't know if Gastelum even has seen this. I don't even know if Cadero has even seen this. But if they did, that's going to be dangerous when you really incorporate. I mean, he might stumble onto it by accident when you just incorporate. Sure, Gaslam, not as long as obvious, Adesanya, obviously, but not as long as Spider Silva either, uh, who was not, you know, Spider Silva wasn't even as long as Adesanya. But Gaslam has proven, man, he's got really deceptive distance closing ability. And his power translates. Uh, so anytime, does that mean he's going to win? No. Does that mean he's going to knock him out? Definitely not what I'm saying, folks. I did pick Castle inside the distance because there's a few ways you can get there, but I'm just saying, regardless of how the fight goes or who you have, that is a note that I feel strong about to the point where just, just look every time out of sign and go southpaw. That'll be the point of interest there. Um, you know, could I see him getting an accumulative stoppage on the ground, getting his takedown game going? Sure. Gaslam has trended away from that. I mean, in his first eight UFC fights, he got six takedowns at least. Though we took down six of those eight opponents, but has trended away since. But his other trend is just as scary for those of you that might have scoffed at you know my possible knockout prediction there. When you look at Kelvin has dropped or stopped seven out of his last eight opponents. That's crazy. I mean, he lost two of those fights, folks, and he dropped the guys he lost to. Hell, I think he should have been a draw against Magni. I mean, I think he drops him twice, two takedowns, two passes, crucifix, a brief back take, uh, going forward the whole time. Like, it wasn't a, a robbery or anything by any means, but it's like it was one of those things where it's like it wasn't like a Whitaker Romero. That should have been a 10 8, what the fuck? But it was also on paper. I'm like, on paper, that should deserve a 10 8. Yeah. Didn't get it. Um, Awesome close round, so that went to Magni. But that fight is deceptively close, and I know that that's one people will point to because of the the length. And I don't think the length troubled Gastelum too much. I, I mean, I think that was a bit overblown. I think you know it was more of his decision making, other things in that fight, and he took that short notice too. So did Magni, of course. But I was game planning for a complete different guy. So I mean, I don't know how much stock does that mean. He can't be kept on the outside of Adesanya. Of course not. If there's a guy that's going to keep him on the outside, it's going to be Adesanya. But 
I don't know if he's gonna be able to do the same thing that he did to like the uh, Marvin Vittori, you know, or uh, or you know, uh, an older, advanced Anderson Silva. So, I think Adesanya will be a champ. I do like his future. He could definitely win this. Wouldn't be surprising at all. He's a favorite for a reason. I agree that he's a favorite. Was leaning toward him at a certain point, but I don't know, man. I, I have this feeling Gaslam's going to upset him, and he definitely has more ways to win on paper. He does. If he decides to dust out his wrestling, you know, I think I think we could see something there. It's more control. He's not, like, freakish about it, where he's just, like, wild on his entry, wild on his takedown, not really going to hold position that great, like a Derek Brunson. Um, and Adesanya, if he gets up from it, he could be given his back in the process or a front headlock, which Gaslam's real dangerous from, so... Real interesting. Uh, I sprinkle out Gaston because he's a dog, but I mean, I'm not. I'm not playing that like super strong or anything. All right. Speaking of, it sucks making picks. Um, Eric Anders minus one ninety, Khalil Roundtree plus one sixty five. So I hate doing this, and I feel like it, it takes away from me as an analyst when I do it. When I make super biased picks, and I'm, I mean, I admit my biases when they're there. So that's nothing new. But when they're so strong, they actually affect my pick. But yeah. Um, but, you know, especially where I can't explain myself because it shows up on junkie picks. But this one's a biased one, man. I'm, I'm going with Khalil Roundtree. He should be the dog. Eric Anders should win it. You know, Eric Anders uh, has faced Southpaws before. Eric Anders is pretty durable for the most part. Uh, you know, it looks pretty durable. I'm not too worried about his chin, let's just say that. Uh, although Roundtree, Cleveland from Roundtree, could definitely KO him. I mean... You know, even though he shows to be have a good chin, he he he's human and he knows he's human. You know, when he talk, took those shots from Mahetto, you see how kind of An Anders reacted. But Anders, in my opinion, uh, most frustrating quality is that even as you'll hear his corner say he crowds his work, he'll go for takedowns when he has guys hurt and does all that stuff. That actually wouldn't hurt him in this fight. Um, even if he hurt Khalil, staying in training with someone as dangerous like that, you're just going to give him the chance to to knock him out. If Anders uses his pressure and his grinding pressure and grinds against the fence here, I think he's going to get a win. I think his chances to get the win increase drastically once it gets out of the first round. Um, you know, Khalil's won decisions before, but he's not exactly the best in the decision style of fight. Uh, he's more of a knockout guy, obviously. And training a lot in Thailand. Now, that's worrisome because it's like, you know, We'll get to like guys like Melinda again, guys I like, but they're just like strikers. Where it's like, dude, I love you, but please just fucking work on your wrestling, please. Uh, <clears throat> you know, although one could say, yeah, you got knocked out in the clinch, but you probably should just work your wrestling and your cardio, or whatever. I, I don't know if those things are gonna ever come natural for Khalil. You know, I mean, he got into this late in the game, folks. And I mean, back when I knew him, he was I knew when he was the three hundred pound, smoking cigarettes. You know. I think the band that he was touring with was called Lynch Thy Beauty. And, uh, <clears throat> and yeah, I mean, so I don't, I don't know how much of an athletic pedigree we're going to see. All of a sudden, he's going to turn into a five-round fighter. I don't know if he's all of a sudden going to turn into, like, some miraculous wrestler. And that's not a knock on him. But even though I do agree with those basic criticisms, I will say a silver lining, and something I always talk about, is... um. Not just going to Thailand and do Muay Thai, but specifically working on the clinch, is that a lot of Muay Thai fighters, from male to female, you'll notice that the, the harder ones to take down and the better ones suited to wrestle 
are ones that are from Muay Thai because of all the wrestling that's involved in Muay Thai. And people that know Muay Thai know that, obviously. If you've done a Muay Thai class, you've done your share of neck wrestling and other clinch and plum drills, which are the most hiring things you can do in a Muay Thai class. A lot of common folk don't know that. And uh, so I think that'll translate really well uh, as far as Roundtree style. That being said, I don't know how confident I am in him defending takedowns over and over if this fight goes long. I do like his striking, but I'm, you know, with the Muay Thai and the southpaw for southpaw stance, does he uh, get baited into throwing that leg kick? Because if you look, every time Tiago Santos was throwing the leg kick from the southpaw for southpaw stance, Anders had the quick trigger to change level and take him down. The last thing Roundtree wants. So, Roundtree, if he's smart, is going to be limited to tie clench and uh, left handed counters and, and punches. Um, because anything else may just get him into trouble. Now, not Eric Anders' game over is going to submit him. Hell, Eric Anders might not even hold him down, but if he takes him down, he's going to be scoring points, winning the rounds, and making Khalil work, tying him out for the future of the fight. So that's why I think the takedowns are so devastating. Not because he's going to land on the whole time, not because he's even going to finish him, but it'll just continue to have the fight play into his favor. That being said, and oh, he's working with... Uh, Fucking Factory X Muay Thai. I mean, so many good trends going in Andrew's favor. You know, even though he's good with pressure, but his back's kind of against the wall, even though it's two different divisions and short notice fights. And you could argue that he won one of them against the Adoru. It's still two losses in a row. So let's see. Uh, let's see what happens there. I'm going to pause and blow my nose. I'm sorry, folks. I sound fucking miserable here. All right, back. Next fight, uh, Dwight. Alan Joe Ben minus 120, Dwight Grant plus 100. Uh, looks like money came in on Grant and then went back down. Money came back on Joe Ban. Now it's about where I think near the opener. This one's tough, man. You know, I was, I was, I was joking with uh, Dan Levy. He wasn't on this podcast. I was on when I was on his uh, half the battle for the recap. Uh, I forget what we're talking about, but we're talking about those basic fights where all oh, the guys winning the whole time until he gets caught. And I reference, I'm like, oh, I like Dwight Grant and uh, Petter Soli. And I think it was Dan that went. Or like Joe Bannon Grant. I'm like, yeah, I can see that too. And we went back to watch the footage and shit. Unfortunately, that's what I see here. And I love Joe Ban. I mean, I've always been a big fan of Joe Ban since Tough Enough. Uh, rooting for this guy. Played him a couple times. Made money on him the last time out. But, um... I, it's tough, man. The layoff and the way he's talking too. I was listening to him on uh, his interview on the Slip and Dip podcast. Shout out to Kendrick and Matt. It's a really good interview with Joe Ban they got. And but it's just, you know, he's talking. About, this is those tropes, man. Talking about retirement. If I get the win, this one, that, and just, uh, it's kind of looking on his way out. And uh, you know, I had a tough year with injuries. That'll change your mindset, you know compared to his post-fight, where he's like, oh, five fights this year, winning streak, we're going to get to the... And now, you know, he gets injured, and now, he, you know, we see him 12, 14 months later, and now in these interviews, he's saying, I'm going to retire, and it's just not a good... Flag's all over the place. And believe me, my heart's with Joe Ban here, guys, but um, Dwight Grant, you know, he's not just an athletic dude, he's a smart dude. I know he's a little bit older, he's a weird background, but I think it works well, and he's in a good place. Uh, like AKA, and um, if he can defend the takedowns, if Joe Ban even looks for takedowns, um, he's gonna be in a good spot because he's just a really good counterfighter. Uh, he's you know he's gonna make those reads, and if a guy gives him an opening, 
I feel like that right hand will be there. Maybe he's left hook. And uh, that's kind of Joe Ban's trope, right? He's kind of, you know, he, he gets stung even by grapplers like uh, Gunnar Nelson. So, yeah, I think Joe Ban's winning this fight all the way to the point to where he's not. Um, Dwight Grant. Uh, I may sprinkle because he's a dog, but then part of me feels bad because I really do like Joe Ban. So, whatever. Take that for what you will, but the pick is, is legitly Grant. All right, next fight. Oh, Nikita Krylov, minus 120. OSP plus 100. This one was kind of even, neck even money, but people love betting Krylov, man. Al Capone. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if anybody's reads are great on OSP or picks are great on him, but, uh, but yeah, you know, he's only just turned 35, I think. He's not that old yet. Uh, still athletic and have some age in this division. Uh, I think he he does a repeat and submits him again the second time around. I mean, you look at Krylov. Yeah, he beat Maldonado and some other guys over in freaking Russia and looked like he's like on the juice or whatever, but like I shouldn't say that. But he is like taking pictures of just him showing him flexing. Like he just can't help himself. That's the thing. Like, whether it's, it's a correlation I noticed from his Instagram to his fighting style, like, he just can't fucking help himself. Like, whether he's doing good on the floor or the feet, he can't help himself. He's going to get himself into trouble. He has to show w what he can do, and it's usually the flashy, not-so-good decisions, whereas it's like Jan Blachowicz, his most recent fight, he's still making mistakes like holding on a guillotine too long. Like, dude, don't you remember your fight with OSP and how he finished you? Which is apropos, because that's who you ended up getting next. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Unless he catches OSP and stings up with something, like uh, Latifi, then I see OSP winning. I mean, Krylov doesn't go to decision for a reason. So he either has to submit or knock out OSP. I don't see him submitting OSP unless he rocks him first. Uh, so essentially, I think he's got to rock OSP. I don't see him winning the decision or submitting him. And guess what? OSP could knock him out too or hit him with a crushing body kick. Um, so a shit show match and you're going to give me dog money on the guy with more paths to win who's already beat him who doesn't have to travel far for this fight alright I'll take a shot on OSP I'm not super confident I'm not saying you should but I'm picking him here and for the reasons I stated hell I can't argue not sprinkling on the guy alright next fight uh Jylan Turner, Mr. Turner, minus 125 versus Matt Steamroller, Frivola, plus 105, Steamroller, it's stuck in my head every time, I love that every time he goes, he's got like, he's got a more hardcore contingent than Eddie Alvarez somehow, and he's so young in his career, you have Eddie's wife and like Philly people screaming, but for like, for Vola, doesn't, he's got the fucking steamroller contingent. You just hear steamroller. Even fights before the night, they're just going steamroller. And you know me, I love me some steamroller, but maybe it's because he got burned by, you know, getting countered by a guy like um, Poyo Reyes, which is no knock. Poyo Reyes can do that to you. But then he's still getting hit by the same stuff with Venata and those body kicks with Venata, the same body kicks he was getting hit with on Contender Series. And I'm like, I'm just seeing this too much. Kind of like speaking of OSP, Latifi, I ended up picking OSP because even though I wanted to pick Latifi, Latifi did win. I couldn't help but seeing Latifi keep getting hit by the same things that OSP throws. And sometimes when I see that, I can't unsee that. And I feel like that's like 
a sure sign. Like, okay, what am I now? I'm announced. Um, what am I analyzing fights for? So I can find trends like that, right? So if I find it, why am I going to ignore it? And I pick it. Of course, I was wrong on that one, and I may be very well be wrong on this one. But I see Favola get hit with a lot of the same stuff Turner throws, except Turner throws it a lot more cleaner than Favola's opponents. Uh, I don't know the extent of Turner's takedown defense. I think we're going to have to see that. That's going to be the deciding factor if Steamroller is smart and decides to use his takedowns, which he doesn't. Now, it was dumb that he didn't against Poyo Reyes. No excuses there, though. You could argue he knew Venata was a good wrestler and a good scrambler, uh, which is why it wasn't really part of the game plan last time out. Real curious was to see if it's a part of his game plan this time out. Real tempted to take him, but no. I took Mr. Turner. Tarantula um, to win, but uh, Frivola has more ways to win because he's got knockout power too. It's not like Turner can't get caught as we've seen. So, you know, Frivola technically more ways to win if you think about it, but uh, I'll take Turner. Um, I stayed away. Yeah, I stayed away. Hell, even if Turner was the dog, I'd stay away. Um, but all right. Uh, next. Alexandre Pantoja, plus 150 versus Wilson Hayes, plus 130. Um, don't hate the line, though I'm surprised people didn't fade Hayes further, maybe because they learned like last time. I know I did. I don't think I played him, but I picked against him. Uh, I just wasn't sure where his chin at, where he was at. And I like Wilson Hayes, man. I've actually gotten to work with him, and he's a really nice guy. Uh, I just thought Ben Wynn might, might be a... Be a be able to catch him might be a tough match in that sense. And uh, nope. And Ben Wynn fell victim to the clinch like he did with Formiga, which no excuse for Formiga. And really no excuse for Hayes, too. But but uh, no, it was wrong on that one. It was happy to be wrong because I like Wilson Hayes. That being said, I uh, can't pick Wilson Hayes here. Uh, picking Pantoja. You know, Pantoja could hurt him on the feet, too. He's pretty reckless himself, but he's, he's, uh, he's so aggressive. He puts out such volume and... He's so good in the scrambles that I think he's going to be able to hang with Hayes. Uh, working at an American top team. You know, he's worked in the past with guys like Cejudo. Um, but you guys know, man, I, I talk about Pantoja a lot on this podcast. I'm a big fan of him. So I'll take him here. I actually don't blame people for, for playing him straight or throwing him in a little parlay. Um, I may or may not, but, I, but yeah, I left this one alone, guys, with the pick is Pantoja. All right. Next, uh, Zalim and Medayev, minus 115, Max Griffin, minus 105. This one not officially on the void list, but pretty much should be. Because not a lot on Zalim, but what you hear about him is true. Uh, as far as Extreme Couture and, and getting kicked out of there and like being rough. And what Max Griffin said in the interview. And that's enough to make me want to root for Max Griffin, uh, which I am. But I'm, I'm actually picking Max Griffin. Uh, he's just more experienced, like, like uh, you know, there's a poor level of competition. This dude's barely been out of the first round. I think he's been in the second round once, third, the Russian guy the third round once. And he got finishes in those rounds, but he's never been in a decision. He's never been against a guy who can get hurt and come back like Max Griffin, a guy who can uh, attack, come forward, and, and, and as well as counter as well. Um, I think, Max, you know, and I had Max Griffin winning his last fight too as well. Uh, Thiago Alves, I'm sure most of us did. I think he's upset about that. I think he comes back with a vengeance here, but, you know, does he come back a little too soon? 
You know, did he take some licks in the training camp, some licks in the fight that we don't realize how bad they were, and then they just get exposed here? A lot that could happen. This guy throws to win. He spins to win. Uh, Zalim only was able to watch one and a half of his fights. So, yeah, no plays either way. No confident. Not confident. But picking Griffin. This one a little more confident in. Uh, I know there's bias here, but Boston Salmon minus 145, Kali Taha plus 125. I think people are catching on because I think I saw Boston as low as like minus 120, which I wish I jumped on. I got him at the minus 140, and he's went up to minus 145 since then. This fight just shouldn't be lined as close. I think I got to imagine it's the layoff and injury that kept people away, but Taha had a fucking ACL injury sooner when their original booking, and he's having to make a quick turnaround from it, whereas Boston got to take that extra time. And he already took a nice, like he overdid it. You hate seeing guys come back soon. He came back at the right time, or it took the long time that he needed to. Got his body in shape. He's in a place to get his body shape here at the PI. Looking great by all accounts here in Vegas. Ready to go. And essentially, he's just facing a guy who's like him, but not as athletic, not as tall, not as long, not as strong, not as fast, not as good of a wrestler. And definitely not as good as of a boxer, although Kalitaha, not, not a bad boxer, really has improved that. And he's got the Taekwondo base, so even and which, you know, Boston's got some, some some solid kicks too that are low-key. If you've seen him on the regional, he's got unleashed some of them. So that might help Taha as far as viewing that. But still, I see them similar prototypes. Boston's just a lot better. Um, so I think that's a low line. I'm, I'm going to play this. I played it. I put a 2.5 as far as my online here at five dimes go, but this might be one guys where I dig into my uh, my, 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 my my personal stacks here and, and take an envelope with me to uh, Mandalay Bay tomorrow. So depending where they got Boston lined at, I might play that favorite. So again, I know my bias, Hawaiian from Extreme Couture, yada yada. But at the same time, even though I met those biases, and I tell you to stay away, and I'm not telling you to play anything here either, by the way. But I do say to stay away, especially. My biases involve like a Roundtree or Anders, for example. For this one, I'm admitting my bias 100%, but I'm also telling you the bias wasn't there. I'd be I'd be walking up to the sports book to make this play. Um, I'm confident in Boston Salmon here, and his team feels the same way headed into this one. All right. Uh, next fight. Bilal Muhammad. Excuse me. Minus 140. Curtis Melinda plus 120. This is tough, man. And jumping back and forth on this one. This one should kind of be on an avoid list too, but it's not. Because if you have an angle, go ahead and play it. But um, essentially, I'm taking Muhammad here. I'm just not super confident on it. I'm going back and forth, man. Like Part of me almost even switched to the game because, you know, what if Muhammad doesn't get him down, but you know, because he went 0-7 against Jeff Neal. But that could just be me, you know, underestimating what Jeff Neal had to offer in that department. So if that makes any sense, you know. Uh, Jeff Neal's like a bad wrestler. For all we know, Jeff Neal could have way better wrestling than Curtis Melinda and a lot of guys. But it's hard to tell. And I feel like Curtis is chasing, you know, like when you miss a bet, you're like, I got to imagine that's what it feels like for a fighter in Melendez's position where you go out there and you don't even get to show anything because 
the guy just fucking cuts through you like a surgeon and just does the one thing that you weren't expecting and you're not good at at the same time, at the right time. That's not taking away from Zaleski or not trying to downplay the win. I'm just trying to put myself into that headspace by saying you get that frustrated feeling that Melender's admitted to even in interviews and he wants to get that taste out of his mouth. Get me back in there. You hear a lot of fighters say that, but it's like chasing a bet. And we know what happens when you chase those bets. You bet out of emotion. Even if you're betting, quote-unquote, what, what the odds makers and everybody else agrees with you, those, tend to th- those things tend to go wrong when you're chasing, man. And I feel like that here. I feel like, you know, Muhammad does get rocked a lot by counters and, and, and good strikers, right? And he can be stopped as durable as much heart as Muhammad has. So I can certainly see Melender upsetting here, um, which is why I'm staying away from this fight. But I, I'm picking Muhammad, but I'm staying away. You know, I like Muhammad on the outside looking in, and Melender. We get to know him a little more personally on the show. And it's hard not to like that guy, too, uh, which is why my heart's with him here, and I want to pick him, and I can see him upset. But I don't know if that's my personal bias for him coming on the show. Bleeding through, on paper, Muhammad has a slightly better chance to win this fight. So I agree with the odds, but I'm, I'm staying the off away. Good luck if you play it with the picks, Muhammad. All right, next is Montel Jackson, biggest favorite on the card, minus 525 versus Andre Sukumta. Sukumta. It's like throwing a one-two leg kick on the bag. Sukumta. Or a Dutchy, two-three leg kick. Sukumta. <laughs> That's how I say his name. is like, <laughs> like a Thai guy keying. Now, uh, you know me. I'm one of the few people who defend Andre, the Asian sensation, or as I say, the poor man, Jose Aldo. Um... But yeah, uh, picking picking Montel Jackson here again, you know, the southpaw, the wrestling ability, the athletic ability, the heart. Even though, oh, because this guy gashed from the weight cut, that could happen in the future. Could happen maybe here because Sukumta. I, I, you know, I, I see this being a tricky match that goes a bit long. But you go back and you're like, oh, he took that Ricky Simon fight on short notice, Simon Bato, um, and and it, it becomes more excusable when you look at things. So. You know, not much for jokes, Montel Jackson. I'm definitely rooting for Sukumtha, and I'm going to play Sukumtha because this line is kind of stupid. But, yeah, the pick is the pick is Montel Jackson. Sukumtha does pretty good against Southpaws, though. I mean, Jonathan Martinez uh, knocked out Luke Sanders. I know those guys don't have as high ceilings as a Montel Jackson, of course. But, yeah, you know, this could be one of those spots where he tastes the power and can't get Sukumta out of there and ends up in a closer fight than he realizes, but it can't trust Sukumta to make the decisions that he needs to make. Uh, rooting for him, hearts with him. I'm going to play him just because of the odds, but the pick, obviously, is Jackson here. It's a, tough to go against him in that spot. All right. Uh, didn't do too much tape study on these ones. It's on the avoid list as well. Oh, yeah, Sukumta, uh, Jackson, even though I'm playing, it's on the avoid because... It's an inflated line. I don't know about, even though I'm on the same side as the favorite. Uh, same with Laura Mueller, Botello. I'm on the same side as the favorite, Botello. I think her athleticism is going to be able to decide it. Mueller, man, she uh, let down me in a lot, I think, on that last spot. It's Yuna and Wen or whatever. Especially that arm bar was so, even in retrospect, was looking at it like, man, that was like right there. She should have seen that. Uh, so I'm sure she's working on that over at Alliance. Good grapplers to work with. Um... Angie Hill, I'm sure she's probably working with a lot for her looks, but a little different. Angie Hill keeps a little more in tight stance, whereas Botello's more that low, loaded stance. Be interested to see. Botello looks like she's 
been crossfitting. Yeah, she doesn't post anything from the gym. It's just like all crossfit and strength and conditioning. She's, yeah, she looks like she's uh, healthy. I don't mean that in a sexual way, I'm, by the way. That was a steroid innuendo. So now I just have to say it outright because I'd rather you know slash think it's that than think it's the other thing. But yeah, she looks healthy. Who knows? Who knows? Everyone's on steroids, bro. Um, not even the over is weird. It's like two and a half minus one eighty five, but I could see why because both these girls are aggressive and go for the finish. Well, not really Mueller. She's more decisions, but her aggressiveness could open up a finish as we've seen. So we'll see. I'll pick Batelio to do that, but I'm not confident in it. Um, Brandon Davis minus one sixty five. Randy Costa plus one forty five. You know, I was gonna go Davis on the avoid list for sure, regardless, and was just gonna go Davis just cause. But I'm actually gonna go with Randy Costa here. I only saw like a little bit of footage from him and then just training footage, but I really like what I see. And he's been an amateur and been training behind the scenes for a minute. Look, some injuries took him out. Uh, between 2015, 2016, and part of 2017. Uh, but looks more experienced than what he, he, he leads on. This kid's fucking super sharp southpaw. Uh, ridiculous head kicks. People rave about this kid. Um, at first, I was like, why would Joe Lozon do this to one of his guys? I know short notice opportunity. Maybe he liked the matchup. Now looking at it, and, and Joe Lozon, you know, cause I, I don't know. Because part of me, even though I'm picking Randy Costa for an upset, I'm not, uh, this is on the avoid list. I may sprinkle on it because I'm, I'm ballsy enough to pick it. I'm not telling you two to jump off that cliff with me. Believe me. I like Brandon Davis, but it's first flight to 135, and he is durable, and Costa knows he's durable. I like Costa's attitude because he's like, he knows he's durable, and he gives his opponent credit, but he's still got that fucking wild man fucking attitude. He reminds me of an old roommate I used to have, Boston Billy. Same fucking heavy Boston accent. It's just fucking crazy, bro. Fuck yeah, bro. Like, this guy kind of has that attitude intangible. I talk about that, about people making their debut. They can't just be good. They have to have an attitude intangible. Certain guys have those attitude intangibles, right? And uh, Randy, and it comes in all different forms. And come in a form of confident like a McGregor. Coming in a form of crazy or weird like a Hermanson or a, you know, Randy Costa crazy. Uh, the... Rants more weird, but you know, cost it crazy, and yeah, like, I, I like it. I can see it. Brandon Davis is uh, slips a lot with his hands down, and a guy good head kicks can tax him. This guy looks like he can also throw hands, and I gotta imagine he's savvy with the no gi and submissions. Although that's not Davis's specialty, so it's gonna be a crazy striking war. You know what? Give me the unproven dog. I know he's has been out of the first round professionally. Which could be very troublesome. But, uh, yeah, I'm actually going to take the dog here, uh, Randy Costa. All right, recap of the picks from top to bottom. All right, I'm taking Max Holloway over Dustin Poirier. Uh, taking Israel Adesanya over Kelvin Gastelum. Taking Khalil Roundtree over Eric Anders. Heavy bias asterisk on that one, guys. Go back and listen if you skipped ahead to this point as to why. Uh, I'm taking Dwight Grant over Alan Joban, though my heart there is with Joban. Taking Ovin St. Peru over Nikita Krylov. Taking Jylan Turner over Matt Favola. Taking Alejandre Pantoja over Wilson Hayes. Taking Max Griffin over Zalim Amadayev. Taking Boston Salmon over Khalid Taha. Taking Bilal Muhammad over Curtis Melender. Taking Montel Jackson over Andre Sukumta. Taking Pollyanna Botelli over Lauren Mueller. 
Mueller taking Randy Costa over Brandon Davis. Quite a few dogs there. Uh, avoid list, Mueller, Botelio, Davis, Costa, even though I'm admittedly sprinkling on Costa, Jackson, Sukumba, even though I'm middling on, admittedly sprinkling on Sukumba, I probably should put other fights there in that avoid list, shouldn't I have? Anders Roundtree, Jr., like, well, it should really should be on the avoid list, this is Max Griffin and Madaev and fucking Curtis Melender versus Bilal Muhammad, Jesus Christ. That being said, I'm big on Boston Salmon, baby. Minus 142.5 units. Took a shot on gas, limited unit as well, as well as through a unit on OSP uh, for dog money. Uh, little friendly sprinkles on some dogs that I picked, even some dogs that I didn't. You just heard there in the recap. Uh, I'm not even going to plug the other stuff because I really don't deserve it. Especially <laughs> after reading that, it's just a reminder of all the shit that I'm doing wrong and need to improve on. So thank you guys. Uh, for listening and putting up with my shit and, uh, and supporting this podcast, even if it is just by listening. Uh, that is more than I can ask for and probably more than I deserve. So I really appreciate the F out of you guys sending my love and vibes to you guys. Uh, you don't have to send it my way, but if you want to, that would be great. Hopefully I feel better. Uh, get back in the gym next week. I'll see you guys next week for some Olenic Overeem talk. Until then, enjoy your weekend and always protect your neck.